I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode contains distressing themes profanity and descriptions of sexual violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Double jeopardy is a legal principle that somebody cannot go on trial for the same crime more than once. The rule, over 800 years old, was put in place to protect the innocent against judicial misconduct that could see them convicted, even after being found not guilty. A pivotal shift occurred 20 years ago, with the UK's double jeopardy law undergoing a significant transformation through the Criminal Justice Act 2003. This introduced substantial reforms particularly for serious crimes. The amendment allowed the possibility of retrial for someone previously acquitted if new and compelling evidence surfaced. This amendment triggered a wave of change, with the authorities revisiting past cases built on circumstantial evidence. It also provided renewed hope for families of victims who had been denied justice. Among those seeking resolution was Jackie Montgomery's loved ones, who had been grieving her loss since 1975. Their belief that the perpetrator had escaped due to a solely circumstantial case haunted them for decades. But with the advancement of DNA technology combined with amendments to the law, a family found renewed determination driven by the conviction that justice might finally be served. Well, this was a particularly vicious murder of a 15-year-old girl um, where a sexual assault was part of the murderous attack. DNA evidence just didn't exist in 1975. 
forensic science was different, but forensic science did exist and it was thanks to the careful records made by forensic scientists and by the pathologists at the time. It's, a, it's an extremely serious and rare step to ask the Court of Appeal, as I did, to set aside an acquittal for murder. And it is the scientific findings available now that have made the difference in this case. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 13 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Jacqueline Montgomery, or Jackie as she was more commonly known, was born in London during the summer of 1959. The mid-70s marked a significant juncture in her life, as Jackie's parents separated. Chronicling this event in her diary, she described what appeared to be the final straw in the marriage, writing that her mother left, quote, because Dad had a moan because she paid a £50 deposit off a car and could very well have paid 10 Following the separation... Jackie's mother moved into a flat nearby, while Jackie and her younger siblings, Kathy and Lisa, stayed with their father, Robert. Their home was located on Offord Road, a three-storey building that Islington Council played a role in securing. The family were just a stone's throw from everything they needed, and it was an ideal location for Jackie, who enjoyed socialising. She was a typical 1970s teenage girl, listening to pop music and taking a particular interest in the heartthrobs of the day, Danny Osmond and David Cassidy. Weekends saw her out in the company of her boyfriend Dave and her friends. They often hung out together in local pubs. However, the effect of her parents' divorce the year before had affected Jackie greatly, stirring emotions of sorrow. She yearned for affection. For a time, she found solace in the arms of her boyfriend, the first serious relationship she had. Sadly, things didn't work out the way Jackie hoped. It was Dave who ended it choosing to break things off after a steakhouse date, providing no explanation for his decision. Jackie's diary captured her reaction. I cried my eyes out. I don't know why I did that either. I suppose it was the thought of being dropped. Around 2.15am on June 2nd, 1975, Jackie Montgomery's father, Robert, returned to their home on Offord Road in Islington. Without thinking, Robert did what he always did when he arrived home. He put his keys in a bowl by the front door and then went into the living room. There was something there that shouldn't have been. Robert's attention was drawn to an object that appeared to be crumpled on the floor. He swiftly realised that it was his daughter, Jackie. She was not moving and was surrounded by a pool of blood. 
Jackie's shirt and jumper had been pulled up, making the numerous stab wounds that marked her body visible. An electrical cord from an iron was wrapped around her neck so tightly it dug into the teenager's skin. Robert hurried to Jackie's side, crouched beside her and reached out to touch his daughter's face. It was cold. She was far beyond any life-saving measures. Jackie looked to have been dead for some time. In a state of distress, Robert contacted the police. They promptly arrived at the residence with their sirens blaring. The crime scene was secured and a murder investigation was initiated. The living room was chaotic and showed signs of a struggle with an overturned chair and a lock of hair that appeared to have been torn from someone's head discarded near Jackie's body. Jackie's tights and underwear were also found in the room, likely forcibly removed by her killer. In close proximity lay used sanitary towel from Jackie's underwear. The home telephone dangled off its receiver, suggesting that Jackie attempted to call for help during the attack. Police established that the phone line had been disconnected since June 1st, indicating Jackie had been killed some time before midnight. Further examination of the scene revealed no signs of forced entry, leading the police to conclude that the perpetrator must have been someone Jackie was acquainted with. A home office pathologist noted that Jackie had suffered multiple stab wounds, and had been strangled with an iron flex. The killer had fatally stabbed Jackie in the heart. There were also wounds to her stomach and liver. Moreover, evidence of blunt force trauma to her face indicated a brutal beating during the murder. Jackie had additionally sustained a burn mark on her leg, possibly caused by her killer placing a hot iron on her bare flesh, and shockingly she had also been the victim of a sex attack. The pathologist determined it could have taken up to ten minutes for Jackie to have died from her injuries. Continuing their examination of the crime scene, investigators pressed on. Resting on the two-seater settee in the living room was Jackie Montgomery's diary. As it was picked up, officers made an unexpected discovery. Bloody smears beneath some of the sheets of paper. Within the diary, Jackie had documented the recent breakup with her boyfriend. Capturing her sense of confusion and hurt, the teenager had penned the words... I'll never know why. In addition, she chronicled a difficult period when her parents' marriage was unravelling. Mum left home today. Got a flat near. Dad was very cut up. Amidst the entries, there were mentions of a man named Dennis McGrory, who happened to be her Aunt Josie's former partner. According to Jackie... 
Josie had parted ways with McGrory in the spring of 1975. Jackie had accompanied her aunt to Manchester as Josie sought to escape McGrory's influence. Jackie recounted, We went to the housing people in Manchester. They told us to go back to the smoke because they had 15,000 of their own to see. As the diary revealed, upon returning to London, the pair were desperate. Jackie and Josie sought assistance from the police, who in turn connected them with a welfare officer. Jackie jotted down, She put us in a hotel called the Classic in King's Cross. It was a DOS hole, but a bed for the kids and us. Interestingly, officers noted that one page of the diary had been ripped out. The Metropolitan Police were curious to learn more about Dennis McGrory, Josie's ex-boyfriend. McGrory was the son of a retired captain from the Black Watch Regiment in Dundee, Scotland. He had moved to England's capital in his twenties, hoping for more excitement and to seek his fortune. While living in London, McGrory met Josie Montgomery, and the couple had two children together. Their home became a backdrop for their tumultuous relationship. Tensions between Josie and McGrory were marked by domestic violence, witnessed by family and friends. Additionally, an unsettling detail emerged. McGrory's inappropriate interest in his girlfriend's teenage niece, Jackie. McGrory had tried to grab and kiss her while she was sunbathing. On another occasion when Jackie was babysitting, he had tried to put his hand up her skirt. A disturbing statement from McGrory further hinted at his darker disposition. He had openly spoken to Jackie's sister Kathy of wanting to, quote, rape her and her sister. However, McGrory claimed he made the hideous threat in jest. Then, in the spring of 1975, Josie finally called it quits on the relationship. She quickly moved out of the home she shared with McGrory and cut off full contact with him. Josie knew of his capacity for violence, so she was cautious, taking steps to prevent him from learning where she was living. At the end of May 1975, McGrory discovered that Josie had an affair with another man, his friend John Malloy. It was at this stage that Jackie and Josie left London for Manchester, only to be sent back without any help days later. Josie had been desperate to distance herself from McGrory, afraid of what he would do. Investigators theorised that Dennis McGrory had gone to Jackie's home in search of Josie. Unable to find her, he took his anger out on what he saw as the next best thing, Josie's niece Jackie. The day following the discovery of the tragic crime scene, 
Dennis McGrory showed up at the doorstep of one of Jackie Montgomery's neighbours. His appearance was alarming. His demeanour was frantic and shaken, which left the neighbour taken aback. McGrory was trembling. His lip was swollen and blood was congealed around his nostrils. He recounted a story of being jumped by four geezers. McGrory presented a scrap of paper with the neighbour's address written on it and inquired if a woman named Josie was living at the property. He was told she was not, and McGrory left. That same morning, the police tracked McGrory down and brought him to the police station to be questioned. His visible injuries did not escape their attention. They also noted long scratch marks on his neck, and more minor scratches marred his wrist and arm. Photographs taken at the station documented McGrory's unshaven face, framed by long hair and sideburns. During questioning, McGrory denied any involvement in Jackie's murder. Despite the claims made by her loved ones, he rebuffed any suggestion he had a sexual interest or made serious threats towards the teenager. His past actions, including his attempts to kiss and touch Jackie, waved off as merely mucking around. While emptying his pockets at the police station, a crumpled up piece of paper rolled out on the table. When flattened, it was found to have an address written on it. McGorry claimed it was where Josie had moved to. According to McGrory, the piece of paper had been handed to him by a woman outside a chemist. Unfortunately, the significance of this evidence eluded the police at the time. Upon his release from custody, the paper was returned to McGrory along with his other personal effects. Yet as detectives circled back to the crime scene, Jackie's diary with a page missing caught their attention. Something about the paper looked familiar. It was marked with thin blue lines, just like the piece of paper that McGrory had in his pocket. The theory began to form in the minds of officers. Dennis McGrory's visit to Jackie's home was likely in pursuit of his ex-girlfriend Josie. They speculated that he resorted to torturing Jackie in an attempt to extract Josie's address, ultimately leading to her being assaulted, burned and strangled. Detectives believed Jackie was protecting her aunt by cleverly writing down a false address to deter him. Despite McGrory obtaining the information he sought, it was surmised that he still killed her. While it was only a circumstantial case, it was enough for Dennis McGrory to be arrested and charged with Jackie Montgomery's murder on July 10th. Dennis McGrory faced an impending trial, yet prosecutors were confronted with a daunting challenge. 
as DNA analysis was over a decade away from being implemented in criminal prosecutions. Their case rested solely on circumstantial evidence, encompassing the address written on a page of Jackie's diary and McGrory's history of violence. McGrory argued otherwise. He reiterated his previous claim that a woman outside a chemist had given him the address. He elaborated further, asserting that this woman coincidentally had been hospitalised beside Josie, and he received the address from her. Legal proceedings began at the Central Criminal Court in January 1976. However, the trial did not go as the prosecution had planned. The jury ultimately acquitted Dennis McGrory of murder based on the judge's directive. Mr Justice Stevenson pronounced the entirety of the prosecution's case to be founded on circumstantial evidence, and it should not proceed as he deemed the case too weak. Jackie Montgomery's loved ones were plunged into distress and darkness. Their belief in Dennis McGrory's guilt was unwavering, but he had evaded justice due to a lack of concrete evidence. In an act of desperation, Jackie's younger sister Kathy took an overdose of tablets, but thankfully survived. Usually when a case ends in an acquittal, that would be the end of the matter. But as decades passed, new laws came into effect. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. 
With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. In 2005, the double jeopardy law in the United Kingdom underwent a significant change with the enactment of the Criminal Justice Act 2003. Prior to this change, the principle of double jeopardy prevented a person from being tried or punished for the same offence more than once. In other words, if an individual was acquitted of a particular crime, they could not be retried for the same offence based on the same set of facts. However, concerns had arisen that the existing double jeopardy law could potentially allow guilty people to evade justice, even if new evidence emerged after their acquittal. As a response to these concerns, the Criminal Justice Act 2003 was introduced which meant significant reforms to the double jeopardy principle in cases that involve serious crimes. This allowed for the retrial of a person previously acquitted if new and compelling evidence came to light. The decision to change the double jeopardy law had come in part due to a number of campaigns, persuading senior judges and legal figures that a more nuanced approach was needed to deal with complex cases. The Criminal Justice Act 2003 came into force in April 2005, which meant that going forward retrials could be allowed in cases where new, compelling, reliable and substantial evidence had been discovered. The change in law was met with some controversy. All proponents argued it would help bring justice to cases where new evidence emerged. Critics were concerned that it could erode the principle of finality in criminal proceedings. Once the new law was enacted, detectives across the United Kingdom began looking into previous acquittal cases involving circumstantial evidence. Over the past two decades, forensic analysis and DNA technology advanced immeasurably. New changes to detect DNA combined with changes to the double jeopardy law meant there was a chance for convictions in cases where the defendant was previously acquitted.
Jackie Montgomery's family requested that her case be reviewed. And in 2015, the Metropolitan Police's specialist casework team began a re-examination. When they looked through the evidence in the case, they learned that scientists at the time had taken a vaginal swab from Jackie, and it had been preserved. Modern testing on the sample revealed a mixed DNA profile from at least two people, one of whom was Jackie. They decided to take a second look at the main suspect, Dennis McGrory. He had been arrested in 2009, meaning his DNA was now stored in the National DNA Database. The database contains the profiles of individuals involved in criminal investigations and samples retrieved from suspected crime scenes. When McGrory's DNA was compared against the second DNA profile from the vaginal swab, it came back as a match. Scientific analysis showed that Dennis McGrory was one billion times more likely to have contributed to the sample than someone unrelated to him. By 2015, Dennis McGrory, who was in his late 60s, had retired and was living in Newport Pagnell, Buckinghamshire with his small dog, Bubbles. Despite a dark history, he had woven himself into the fabric of the community, emerging as a considerate and polite neighbour. Over time, he transformed into a seemingly kind and courteous individual, a far cry from his ominous past. During weekends, he embraced the social scene, hosting gatherings at local pubs and engaging in conversations during his daily walks with his dog. McGrory seemed conscientious, never failing to notify those around him of impending renovations, apologising for any potential disturbances. He could even join forces with a neighbour to dismantle a coal shed wall, transforming it into a larder. Still mobile and in shape for his age, he diligently mowed the lawn for an elderly resident down the street. And upon learning of a new father's interest in fishing, McGrory kindly gifted him his reels. The man's partner recalled, he would always say hello and have time for a chat. Above all else, McGrory's passion was his immaculately kept garden replete with bird feeders, bird baths and bright flower beds. Outside he put up a twee homemade sign which joked, Gardening's so exciting, I wet my plants. McGrory kept an allotment nearby, where he again showed community spirit, constructing a network of paths to help fellow gardeners navigate the plots. None of the locals could have imagined the affable old pensioner was responsible for the brutal rape and murder of a teenager many years before. As 2020 dawned, McGrory's mobility began to wane, and he started to use a mobility scooter. Amid his retirement, 
he remained blissfully unaware that his DNA matched a sample recovered from the crime scene. Armed with new evidence and the changes to the double jeopardy law, prosecutors submitted a report to the Court of Appeal. They argued their case against Dennis McGrory, and the Court of Appeal agreed that he should stand trial again for the murder of Jackie Montgomery. He was arrested at his home in Newport Pagnell on March 3, 2020. In June, he was charged for a second time with the rape and murder of Jackie 45 years after she was killed. Despite the fact Dennis McGrory was charged with rape and murder, a judge agreed that he could be released on bail. McGrory returned home. However, as the country was grappling with the spread of coronavirus, some lockdown measures were still in place and he did not see much of the outside world. Now the truth was out about the quote, kindly old man. Unsurprisingly, Dennis McGrory preferred to keep to himself. His neighbours were stunned by the knowledge they were sharing a street with a man that could be convicted of the murder and rape of a child. One of his neighbours remarked, my blood ran a little cold. We'd even thought of inviting him round for Christmas because he was on his own. Before Dennis McGrory slid into the role of a friendly elderly neighbour, he had been in a relationship with a woman 15 years prior. According to the woman's son, McGrory had sexually assaulted his mother and his sister when she was just a child. McGrory was never charged with these particular allegations, but he did have some previous convictions. In 1977, he was arrested for assault occasioning actual bodily harm. More recently, in 2009, he was apprehended for possessing an offensive weapon and forcibly entering a residence through violence. The home in question belonged to his ex-wife, a woman he had previously threatened. During their breakup, McGrory issued an ultimatum, forcing her to choose between him and her son. He had chillingly told her, I'm going to fucking kill him. I don't care how long I spend in prison. Following the threat, McGrory went to the pub, then later returned home drunk. He forced his way in and armed himself with a kitchen knife. His ex-wife and her son ran outside, but they were chased by an unsteady McGrory who screamed, I'm going to kill you. Dennis McGrory's second trial began at the Old Bailey on March 3, 2022. McGrory did not attend in person, but appeared via video link from his solicitor's office in Milton Keynes. During opening statements, Sarah Zabulska told the court, Many years ago, this defendant, when in his 20s, 
attacked, raped, and brutally murdered the 15-year-old victim Jacqueline Montgomery in her own home when she was all alone. The prosecutor argued that McGrory was trying to track down his ex-girlfriend Josie Montgomery to hurt or kill her after she left him. According to Sarah Zabulska, McGrory was furious with rage, and since he could not find Josie, he took his anger out on her niece. The prosecutor stated, The defendant knew that Jackie was likely to know where Josie was. She was an obvious point of contact. While Jackie may have known where she was, whether she ever told the defendant, only he knows. The prosecutor spoke about the piece of paper found in McGrory's possession when he was first arrested. Although no one but those people involved knew exactly what happened, it was believed Jackie wrote down a false address presenting it as Josie's in a desperate attempt to placate Dennis McGrory while protecting her aunt. The prosecutor laid out the forensic evidence that firmly linked McGrory to the murder of Jackie Montgomery. With conviction, she declared, The reality is that police interviewed the right man in 1975. They just did not have access to DNA analysis at that stage, but they do now. Justice has now finally caught up with the defendant. Sarah Zabilska then bolstered the argument with witness evidence, highlighting McGrory's unsettling sexual interest in Jackie, stating, The evidence establishes that the defendant made good on his threat to rape Jackie Montgomery. Soon after the trial had begun, Mr Justice Bryan discharged the jury after Dennis McGrory was taken ill unable to continue. The judge told them, It is important to fairness that he will be able to participate in this trial. A three-week retrial was fixed for November 30th at Huntingdon Crown Court. The retrial kicked off that month with Tom Little KC addressing the new jury regarding McGrory's intentions. He was desperate at the time. He was trying to track down his ex-partner Josie Montgomery who had recently left him, and he wanted to harm her. The prosecutor added that whether Jackie possessed knowledge of her aunt's whereabouts or intentionally withheld it from McGrory remained a mystery. He stated... No doubt furious with rage and wanting to attack Josie, the defendant took out his anger on the next best thing, Jackie Montgomery, both raping and murdering her. The prosecution promptly launched into their case, presenting compelling forensic evidence, notably DNA that linked McGrory to the crime. The jury were also shown photographs taken after his arrest in June 1975. These images unmistakably revealed bruises on his lip and behind his ear, along with a lengthy scratch on his neck. There were also minor scratches on his left wrist and right arm, 
and bruising to his knuckles. The prosecution contended that these injuries were inflicted by Jackie during her struggle against him. McGrory's physical state on the night of the crime also came into focus. Tom Little Casey stated that McGrory had been drinking to the point of intoxication. The prosecutor detailed the piece of paper containing the alleged address of Josie, which had been found in McGrory's possession. Although the paper had been returned to him by the police at the time and subsequently lost, the prosecution maintained it likely originated from Jackie's diary. The paper's style aligned with that of the diary, forming a crucial piece of the puzzle. After the compelling evidence was presented, the jury was sent off to deliberate. Following conversations that lasted three hours, they reached verdicts on each charge. McGrory had observed the proceedings via video link from the office of his solicitor. However, he was summoned to the courtroom to hear the outcome in person. Slowly making his way to the dock on crutches, he appeared frail. Dennis McGrory turned to his barrister, William Boyce KC, inquiring about the verdict status. Boyce responded that he was not privy to it. McGrory replied, Oh, fingers crossed then. The jury would announce that they found Dennis McGrory guilty of the rape and murder of Jackie Montgomery. The conviction made legal and criminal history, becoming the oldest double jeopardy conviction in England and Wales following the changes to the law. McGrory was remanded into custody to be sentenced on January 13, 2023. Max Hill, Director of Public Prosecutions, highlighted that it was almost the 50th anniversary of the crime, but he was happy justice had finally been served after all these years. Quote, I'm sure that this individual McGrory believed that he had gotten away with murder but since the double jeopardy principles were enshrined in statute in 2003, I and my recent predecessors have had the ability to try to put matters right. Although these cases are rightly very rare, where we see a significant miscarriage of justice such as a wrongful acquittal for a murder, which was clearly committed, the message is the system will catch you in the end. And that is what we've done in this case. But speaking as a lawyer, we don't recognise any limitation of time on serious crime. And the fact that a murder was committed five decades ago makes it no less uh, important. And through delivering justice uh, in this case, uh, McGrory at last now faces the prospect of the end of his life being spent behind bars. And that also is a testament to the exceptional work done by investigators and prosecutors coming together to ensure 
that this man does not get away with murder. Speaking about Jackie Montgomery's bravery and the advancements in forensic analysis, Detective Superintendent Rebecca Reeves also provided a statement to the media. She stood up to Dennis McGrory, who was a violent bully. McGrory terrified the women in his life. And I am so pleased that after so many challenges in what has been a difficult investigation, he has finally been held accountable. The DNA breakthrough in this case was absolutely essential. It provided the new and compelling evidence that convinced the Court of Appeal that this case could go back for a retrial. DNA science just didn't exist in 1975, but forensic science did and it's as a result of the careful records that were made by forensic scientists at the time and as a result of the swabs that were retained within um, forensic files through many years that when scientists returned to those files they found the evidence they found the information that allowed them to conduct a DNA analysis and that DNA analysis showed a match between Dennis McGrory and the evidence that was seized from the victim back in 1975. Following Dennis McGrory's conviction, Jackie Montgomery's sister Kathy made an emotional statement about how McGrory had lived the majority of his life free from the consequences of his actions. A violent man who had been living within our family murdered my sister. He has been able to live his life. He has spent nearly 50 years as a free man doing as he pleased. I find that unbearable when my sister didn't even reach her 16th birthday. His actions caused trauma to so many people and there were no consequences for him. Jackie said the investigation over the past two years had brought back painful memories for her and the rest of the family. Still, she was relieved that Jackie had finally received justice. So where are we now? On January 13th, 2023, Dennis McGraw reappeared at Huntingdon Crown Court via video link from HMP Peterborough. Mr Justice Bryan addressed the 75-year-old defendant, stating, I have no doubt whatsoever that you intended to kill her in your brutal attack on her. You put Jackie through a horrific, violent and sustained ordeal in her own home, a place where she was entitled to feel safe. In the decades that followed, you must have thought you had gotten away with your hideous crimes. How any man could inflict such sexual violence on a 15-year-old child that had done them no harm beggars belief. You have shown not one iota of remorse or compassion for Jackie or Jackie's family, or for what you have done. We have heard the moving victim impact statement from Kathy Montgomery, Jackie's sister, who was only 13 months older than Jackie when Jackie was murdered. It is clear that her death had a devastating effect on her family. Unsurprisingly, 
your trial and the ordeal through which you have placed those who have given evidence has caused pain and distress for the family as they have revisited painful memories of Jackie's death. I can only hope that your conviction and the sentence I pass will provide them with some closure, safe in the knowledge that you have been brought to justice and will hereafter live out your days in prison, whatever minimum term I set. The judge believed that McGrory was also motivated to commit the rape and murder because he had a sexual interest in Jackie. In circumstances where I cannot be sure that the use of the cord was other than an attempt at strangulation, or that you did indeed burn Jackie's leg, or that you did the acts you did with a sadistic motivation, I put such possibilities out of my mind. What I am sure of is that whilst fuelled by alcohol and driven by rage, as well as lust for Jackie, you raped her and thereafter took away the life of a young girl who had her whole life ahead of her. You did so to satisfy your own perverted desires and at a time when you were willing to inflict violence upon Jackie for your own ends, including to extract information as to Juicy's whereabouts. As the judge spoke, Dennis McGrory shook his head from side to side and continued to deny his involvement in the crime. He faced an automatic life sentence and would have to serve a minimum of 25 years and 126 days in prison before a parole board could consider his release on licence. The judge had been contemplating a longer sentence, but explained that he needed to take into account the aggravating and mitigating factors. In addition, Mr Justice Bryan needed to think about what sentence would have been passed at the time the crime was committed. I consider having regard to the aggravating and mitigating features you are offending, as already addressed, and having full and careful regard to totality, that your offending was so serious that in the 1970s a minimum term of no less than 26 years was justified and required for what was the brutal rape and murder of a 15-year-old child in her own home, an abhorrent occurrence that would have been regarded as justifying and requiring such a sentence. I'm satisfied that any lesser sentence would not have reflected the seriousness of your offending and would not have reflected the recommendation of a trial judge or the decision of the Home Secretary in the 1970s. Outside of court, Jackie's sister Kathy spoke to the media about how she felt once they heard the verdict. Along with Lisa, the siblings described the impact the case had on the family. Overjoyed is an understatement. Yeah, overwhelmed. 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 And he was sitting, I never took my eyes off him in that court, and he's sitting there going, I thought, yeah, he's still denying it. it. And he's, he's, he took us all through this court. He knew he'd done it. He, why didn't he plead guilty and just, you know, put out all our family through this? My whole life has been for, just for this day. You know, it really has. And, and now I don't know what, what I'm going to do with myself. It took so long. She suffered, that girl, you know. Uh, she was a little girl 
you know, she suffered. She didn't deserve what she got, but he deserved what he got just now. And we all know he'd done it since day one. I still buy her cards every, every year, Christmas cards, birthday cards, as if she was still here. You know, and she'll always be in that memory. She, yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah. It's bittersweet, but yeah, it's very bittersweet. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our patrons for their support. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com.